These are the Money Minutes. You say job seeker, I say job keeper. But the government hasn't called the whole thing off. Great to have your company yet again on the Money Minutes. Look, today was a really important day. Not only did the Reserve Bank Governor talk about employment prospects in Australia, but the government, as we've been saying for quite some time here on this program, that it was inevitable that they had to keep support for companies and for individuals going beyond the original cutoff date of late September. That's not only just been caused by what's taken place in Victoria, which has been a significant erosion of the ambitions to get Australia's economy back open again quickly, but it's also the reality that so many companies in Australia right now are staring bankruptcy in the face. And if it weren't for the government's basic life support, it really is. In other words, future taxpayers that the government is borrowing money from by taking on debts to prop up companies and jobs today. Think about it that way. It's really important you recognise that the money, the record amounts of money, the eye-watering and staggering amounts of money that the government is borrowing today, and it will be outlined on Thursday when the budget update comes down from Josh Frydenberg, that that money is future taxpayers' money. It's being borrowed. Now, sure, the truth is it's at record low interest rates. Right now, Australia can afford it. But you've got to find a way clear to make certain long-term that debt is controlled. Anyway, let's first off today go to the Prime Minister announcing the extension of this JobKeeper program. It will be wound back. There'll be certainly limits applied to it. Here's just a bit of an explanation from Scott Morrison. The payment uh, for JobKeeper uh, will be uh, reduced to $1,200 per fortnight. And there will be a lower payment for those working less than 20 hours a week of 750 uh, at the changeover period uh, towards the end of September. That will be revised again for the March quarter down to 1,000 for uh, full rates at 20 hours a week or more and 650 for less than 20 hours a week. So to a certain extent, that actually makes a bit of sense to wind it back. Um, because quite clearly there is an issue that uh, for many people right now, the job keeper program, as we'll explain a little bit later, has actually left them better off. Now, that's no bad thing in the whole scheme of things. And as we've explained, a lot of those people, for better or worse, have actually gone and spent a whole bunch of that money. And so you've seen big increases in poker machine receipts uh, and discretionary spending. Now, it's no bad thing that people spend, but it's what they spend it on. Do bear in mind that a lot of people have been able to gain $10,000 out of their superannuation fund last year, another 10000 this year. So in actual fact, there'd be a whole bunch of people in our community, lower and middle income earners, who are probably thinking that things are quite comfortable now. But then enter the Reserve Bank Governor, Philip Lowe, who gives a sobering speech, which says on one hand, there's good news. There are more jobs being created. We had hit a low and it seemed that things were improving. But he pointed out that that might be somewhat illusory as a result of the JobKeeper program. And that in the future, the unemployment rate, remember still above 7%, is likely to rise even higher. Have a listen. Some firms have also used recent months to reconsider their business models. 
In some cases, this is because of the decline in demand that's likely to persist for some time. For other firms, there's been a reassessment of how they manage their workforce. Some firms have identified new opportunities and there's plenty of innovation going on in Australia at the moment. But despite this, the restructuring and the uncertainty about future demand is likely to weigh on our labour market as it recovers over coming months. Adding to this complicated picture is the fact that the unemployment rate is likely to increase further, even with the recovery underway. This is because many of the people who have lost their jobs over recent months have been classified as not in the labour force, and so are not counted as unemployed. As the labour market continues to improve, we expect many of these people will start looking for jobs and thus be classified as rejoining the labour force. And this will push up the measured unemployment rate at the same time the share of the working age population with a job is also rising. So that's pretty sobering stuff because... What all of instinctively know is that the way in which people work today is different. And so productivity is going to be found by companies that themselves are struggling, that need to cut back, that will use technology and will change their methods forever. That's what happens in recessions. That's what ultimately the country will have to do when it stares down the reality of the amount of money that has been spent. And this is the reason why propping up companies for a period of time is okay. But the question is, how long do you keep those companies going? Well, that's something that Treasurer Josh Frydenberg addressed today. It has a number of cameos from various businesses on JobKeeper who have said that the JobKeeper program is why they remain open today. JobKeeper 2.0 will provide a two-tiered payment at a new rate depending on the hours worked. It was a conscious decision to introduce the flat $1,500 payment as it enabled us to get money to people who needed it most as fast as possible. However, one of the consequences of the flat payment equivalent to the minimum wage was that some recipients were receiving more under JobKeeper than they were pre-COVID. So then we come down to the other side of this. There's people clearly who might have jobs. And as we've explained, this whole notion of whether they're part-timers or full-timers and whether they would otherwise have a job if it weren't for this so-called JobKeeper program, whether those companies would actually exist as well. Then there's a range of people who don't have jobs at all. The government earlier this week uh, basically announced that it was going to have uh, a training scheme put in place for those people who are on the Job Seeker program. Now, these are people who find themselves unemployed. And as the Reserve Bank Governor said, there'll be more of those into the future. Here again is Scott Morrison just explaining his distinction between Job Seeker and JobKeeper. But there is a difference between JobKeeper and Job Seeker. JobKeeper requires that six-month period for employers to be able to plan. Uh, for those who are on JobSeeker, their plan is there, and that is for us to assist them where possible to get them back into employment, but as we announced last week with the Job Trainer program, to get them into skills training, and skills training will obviously satisfy those mutual obligation arrangements. So you then come down to the final part about this, and bear in mind Deloitte, as I've explained before, thinks right now there could be some 240,000 Australian businesses that fold and go to the wall, which is eye-watering. It's a significant number of businesses and jobs. We know that the economic pain caused by COVID will end and that many businesses now struggling 
will be viable once again. And this is why we're extending the payment to buy time to get businesses and employees to the other side. And so it's the banks ultimately that have got to carry much of the pain. And landlords in shopping centres, in strip malls, all these types of things. Then you come down to the houses where maybe if a second job is lost in a family, they can't afford to have the mortgage that they currently have over property value. So there's a knock-on effect. The government, by spending billions of dollars of future taxpayers' money that will have to be replaced, are banking on the fact that there is a bounce back in business activity. Now, the one thing that's happened today that is really encouraging is this syndicate that's come out from Oxford University and AstraZeneca that seems to be further advanced than any other party in creating some form of coronavirus vaccine. The first tests that have come out through The Lancet, you can find these, and I've certainly tweeted about it today, um, you'll find the documents appear encouraging. Now, the truth is it may be many, many months before the real impact of even a very positive vaccine is seen through the community. And I wouldn't be booking my overseas airfares just yet, or indeed trying to get your cross-border sort of, if you like, businesses up and going again just yet on the idea that there might be a vaccine. It could still be some way off. But the fact is, it seems right now that scientists are getting closer to try and get some form of protection for the community. And the truth is that this potential sort of Oxford University collaboration with AstraZeneca, which is going to fast track production to be able to get 10 million uh, vials of this ready to go, they think maybe even by later this year, it really is the one encouragement that we've all got to sit and hope comes to fruition sooner rather than later. Because that is the real thing that would get Australia's economy going again, would take more people off the unemployment queues and off government subsidy and get them back to the place that they should be as workers and taxpayers and ultimately happier families. Thanks for your company on this episode. I'm Ross Greenwood and these are the Money Minutes.